are in there. Cool. We're in there. Um, wow. So I'll be honest with you. One of my favorite parts about this show is that we get people on here who are just famous for being themselves. You know what I mean? And I love the fact that you're my old friend, Chema, but I don't really know how to introduce you. I don't know what it is I'm saying about you, so I'm going to let you do it yourself. Okay, cool. <laughs> I used to work with you guys, and uh, I met my wife. I guess I started working with you guys after I was married. Um, I think it was really close either way. Yeah, we had just gotten married. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and we decided that we wanted to have a baby and buy a house and do the family thing. Wow. And so Los Angeles is obviously pretty expensive. And uh, we ended up in Boise, Idaho, which is, I spent some formative years there in high school and college. Iconic. Yeah. So we moved up there and we bought a house and, um, and we just realized that we were actually really good at renovating houses. And so we ended up doubling our money on our first house. Wow. We held it for two years and made a good amount of rental income on it. We bought another incredible, beautiful house. Started making tons of money through Airbnb on that. Bought a Tesla Model X, uh, which we're going to talk about. Wow! And Can't wait. Uh, everything was super great. I was like, dream life here. We've like, we our house pays for itself. Uh, we don't like we you know basically making about a grand a month outside of our house could com- fully support our incredible like gorgeous house right downtown in Boise. Uh, our Tesla pay for you know everything we needed. Success, right? I was, I was 26. Wow. And uh, I guess 27, actually. By the time I woke up one morning and I was like, oh, my God, I've made it. This is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, Lisa was really unhappy. And uh, with our relationship, she hated Boise. Uh, she wanted to be by the ocean. It's not understandable. Boise's amazing. <laughs> it's true, but for a certain person, it's understandable. Yeah, no, yeah, totally. Yeah. I can understand the ocean part. I don't. See, I don't get that. So it's all <laughs> very. <laughs> you know, this is the. There's a. You know, it's a long story. We don't. Got, we don't have enough time to really go into it. But you'll be back. But she didn't have a good. She didn't have a lot of community, there. Um, she was really sick when she was pregnant. We arrived when she was pregnant, and it was just really rough. We were renovating a house while we were living in it with Lisa, uh, being you know really sick and. So it was really oh, hard. she was really sick. She had hyperemesis, which is where you have really, really bad uh, morning sickness. It's, un- it's not even fair to compare it to morning sickness. It's, it's worse. It's like the worst, most debilitating nausea humanly possible, continuous for 24 hours a day Where does it months. come from? It, uh, doctors really don't fully understand it, but it has to do with hormones. and. Uh, so it, it, it's most likely a release of an, uh, of a... Of a a large amount of hormones that she can't control. It's not like partially emotional where... No, 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 okay, not at all, yeah. It's completely totally. like she's just fucked yeah. on a 24-hour schedule. Yeah, like have you ever been really, really sick? Like the most nauseous, like just like malaria sick? No. Okay, well... But I hear from, it's terrible. I can equate it to like, in my mind, food poisoning where you're like just fucking done for 24 hours, yeah. 48 hours where you're just... All holes. Like the you know? worst food poisoning. I mean, okay. it wasn't necessarily like, it wasn't necessarily all holes, but th- take that, just the nausea of that. Yeah. And then it's just that for months, for months. Dude. She was, she was stuck oh. in bed. So it's actually, it's actually like not that uncommon. Um, well, I guess it's pretty uncommon, but it's, I think it's one in a hundred women is right. the, is the statistic. So yeah, it was that's really rough. It was really rough. And, yeah, uh, rough. and that, it, that kind of prevented, her from being able to really create community there mm-hmm. in the beginning. 
and then uh, and then we were not doing super well. Uh, anyways, long story short. I, I prefer longer stories. Um, There's so much more to get to. There, that it's okay. So good. All right. I trust you. It's your story. Let's, let's long, go for Long story it. short, yeah. we went to, uh, we ended up moving to Santa Barbara. Okay. Beautiful. Uh, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. But we, we had, you know, built this business of being house flippers. Right. And we knew that it was not a good financial move to go down there. Too uh, expensive. Yeah. And the market wasn't super good. Right. And we, it, you can flip houses in Santa Barbara. There's nothing wrong with that. But we, Lisa was like, I'm not spending another week in Boise. And so there was one house that we'd, we'd come down to visit Santa Barbara, found this, we looked at, you know, 35 houses in one week. This was clearly the best of all the options, but we were still just looking at whatever was available in one week on Zillow. Okay. If house flippers typically don't buy off Zillow because it's been picked through, right? Typically you go off market, you try to, you have people that go door to door. Ahead of the curve. Yeah. Try to get, try to get off market deals. And that's where a lot of the profit from flipping houses actually comes from. Interesting. And so... But we were like, nah, we'll just make tons of money. We're so cool. It'll be fine. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll... Sometimes that's true. We're yeah. so cool. <laughs> totally. Maybe we'll keep the house and just live in it ourselves and live in a mansion in the hills in Montecito or maybe... you know, And change up six months later. Who knows? Yeah. So, um, yeah. No. So what ended up happening is uh, we... I mean, that was the biggest mistake was just not... You know, they say all the money in real estate is made on the purchase not on the sale, right? It's yeah. you got to find that right deal. Right. And it doesn't really matter what you do after that because it's finding that right deal is where you make all your money. Makes sense. So we, we broke like, you know, we broke every rule in the Bible of real estate investing just one after another over the course of the last year. The consequence is that we had built up about a, a little over a quarter million dollars of, of equity of our own. Beauty. Plus we had uh, some private investors so we had, you know, a, a lot of money mm-hmm. and, uh, and we've lost a, a, a lot of it. Wow. Yeah. All of our yeah. money is gone and we still owe our, a good chunk to our investors. So you're actually, um, you owe money now as yeah. opposed to being up a quarter mil. Yeah. Um, now were you were making those mistakes as you call them, were you thinking you're making the right choice or were you intentionally going off brand to, to do something different? We knew what we were doing and we were just overly optimistic. Yeah, it was, it was stupid. Don't do that. N- but now, given <laughs> that, given what you've learned, and still being, an, what, 27 and a half now? 29, but yeah. yeah. Is your plan to just come back and do it the right way? Are you waiting for the inevitable crash so, so you can buy a bunch of shit cheap? <laughs> this is the perfect question. So, yeah, that is what we should be doing. Um, what I realized, so... Our relationship was not doing well, too. She Can I ask a question before you? I, apo- yeah. I apologize. Yeah. Um, if she had not been sick with this crazy illness, do you think she could have lasted longer in Boise? Was it the combination of the two? Or is it Boise is just so terrible to her, she couldn't spend another day? You know, if you ask Lisa, what she'll say is that uh, Boise is just too, the culture is too narrow-minded. It's too conservative. There's not, it's not cosmopolitan enough. It's, uh-huh. not it's that simple. Cultural enough. Not an atmosphere you'd want to yeah, immerse did, yourself she in. She did try to make where, some Where's she from? She's from England. England, yeah. okay. Yeah. Oh, that's a double whammy. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Um, okay, so uh, you were starting to talk about your relationship when I cut you off. Yeah, so, uh, gosh, I'm not really sure what the best way to, to go into this is. Um, we'll just dive in. Basically, I, okay, no, let's, let's take one step back here. So (sighs) 
not sure where to start. I understand. There's so many. I wish we had. I wish we had four hours here. (laughs) But let's pretend we do. Okay. Don't skip anything. Okay. Because you're going to be in LA once in a while, right? Yeah. 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 We'll pick it up where we left off, man. Okay. Cool. I don't mind doing that at all. Love to have you back. Okay. Cool. Okay. So yeah, do the whole thing. Um. So basically, I just realized that I had been being with Lisa from the beginning to avoid taking responsibility for my life. And she's an incredible, driven, amazing entrepreneur. She started a restaurant in London when she was 19. What? Ran it for 10 years. What? Yeah, she, she had a wholesale... Uh, manufacturing bakery, baking brownies and sending them all over Europe. She had 35 employees at one point. In her early 20s. Yeah. yeah. So she's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, and so when we met, I was like, you're amazing. I, I want to have what you have. Right. Uh, and, you know, there was there was intrigue and there was romance. And, and, and she fell in love with you. Yeah, I fell in love with her. Yeah. Um, and but But what I was not present to, I was just being inauthentic about this deep, this deep feeling, which was that, uh, by being with you, I mean, there was the authentic feeling of by being with you, maybe I can learn to be awesome like you are, but there was also this feeling of by being with you, if I fail to follow my dreams and fail to take action and have initiative, it's okay. Cause, cause you'll do it for me. Yeah. And so the result of that is that she, um, was the man in their relationship, you know, it put, I put the, for lack of a better way to describe that. Yeah. She was the leader of the relationship. She, she had to, by old school definition of the man in the relationship. Yeah, totally. I mean, so one of the things I've come to, to real realize, or, uh, you know, one of the things I I make up now about how the world works is that, um, I think it's fundamentally unattractive to women for a man to be submissive and maybe I'm not talking no, the bedroom. No, I, I, no, no, no. That's, I know what you mean. People had their thing, but I'm in general, a guy who's has low self-esteem and is submissive and doesn't have goals that he's trying to work toward. And they essentially want someone who doesn't need them. Exactly. Exactly. They don't want someone who's a son. They want someone who's a husband. Right. Any you know? sort of contrition in any form is a complete, I was just making a joke the other day. I was like, um, you have to be completely unavailable for a woman to be interested. I mean, I'm going to an extreme here. That's not how it always works. Yeah, no, I, I got you. But there's something attractive about, and it goes both ways, of I can't have that, or it doesn't, It's it's it has a disinterest in me. Like, is a weird People always ego. want what they can't have. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I don't understand it, but there's a lot of truth to it. Yeah, it's totally. That limited availability kind of craving, just like shoes or cars or anything the more limited it is the more appealing it is to anybody and when someone knows that like oh no i cannot have that of course your mind's gonna be like but why not like go get it like rarity yeah yeah now can i i want to i'm gonna i'm gonna guess here um by the way the direction this is going um does at some point does she lose interest in you yeah so this is exactly how it goes down so right off the bat in the relationship uh things are really good I was this confident, driven person. I had dreams I wanted to attain. And uh, we ended up, you know, a few months in, I was like, I was failing to take actions and, you know, on the things that I was passionate about. Right. And, you know, I had Your plans. business ideas I wanted to do. And just, you know, like many of us, I just was, uh, couldn't, 
couldn't get the I, motivation I know to, the feeling. to line up. I know right? the feeling. And so she was like, all right, well, you know, this is cute, but we got to get some shit done. So, <laughs> She's been getting done since she was 19. Exactly, exactly. She doesn't know how to, to try. She knows how to do. Yeah, totally. So she's this incredible, driven, natural leader. And right. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. Just whatever you, whatever you need, baby, I'll do it. You know, I'll help you out. And so we, uh, at first it started with, um, this is before I worked with you guys. I, we traveled around the world for a little bit. We, nice. moved, uh, we moved back to England where she had been running her business remotely. And so we moved back to England because there was some, some issues with the business. And I just stepped in and started helping her with the business, um, which was the first step of me kind of being uh, the not the leader. Right. You know? And Was there a dynamic where one of you had to be the leader? Is that, I mean... It's just a natural, I think that it's the natural yin, yin and yang You can't be just equal partners. That's not possible. Is that possible? Maybe it's not. No, I'm not saying it's not possible. Uh, I'm just saying it might not be. I yeah, feel it. I feel it somewhat yeah. with Lily. Thank God. Sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's like we're we're leaders in different areas of life. Yeah, totally. You know, and we learn from each other. But yeah, sometimes there always is like a status shift in every relationship. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. In many ways, it's, it's like too complicated to pinpoint one. Of course. Yeah, so totally. so. It starts to take the shift. Yeah, baby, I'll do anything for you. Whatever you need, baby. And, yeah. and she starts to take the lead. So what I what I got present to recently is that throughout our whole relationship, I had been making, I had been basing all of the decisions in my life on what was going to not upset Lisa. Wow. Yeah. It's not a good That's Don't do that. You no, know, we've all felt that yeah. though. When we feel like we're addicted to someone so much, we just don't want to rock the boat. And that's a terribly unhealthy place totally. to be in. Let's not love. Yeah. First of all, first of all, it's not a, a confident, uh, inspiring, attractive way to be. No. And second of all, uh, the impact that that had was that I was not like, for example, I love rock climbing. It's one of my biggest passions. I just got back into it a month ago. Dangerous. I'm so stoked. Be careful. Uh, it, it's, it's all good. It's okay. Great. Um, and, but I didn't rock climb when we were married because every time I would think, oh, I should go rock climbing now, I would go, ah, you know, but we need, we need money and, you know, we're a little, we, we don't have rent fully covered for this month. So, you know, I don't want, I don't want her to think that I'm slacking off, so I shouldn't go. I should, you know, I should help her with, with, you know, whatever. After, when we came back to the States, we started a handbag business. And I remember so, you mentioned it to me this, yeah. I, when I, we bumped into each other, I, I, you said something about that and I was like, that, and they were beautiful. Yeah. Leather, uh, yeah, we used leather and canvas, and they were the concept was that they were all made of hand painted paintings. So we took paintings, we painted huge paintings, took them to a manufacturer downtown. They used that to make handbags, and then we actually uh, uh, sold our bags in anthropology. Uh, Whoa! Yeah, that's cool. a successful story in my book. Yeah, like, right? We, you got we big... actually made some money. Um, yeah. And uh, but then what happened was right as we were hitting that inflection point of are we going to go all in on this? Um, that was when Lisa got really sick and when we moved to Idaho. And so we just put the handbags on hold for a while wow. while she was pregnant. And then by the time Ophelia came, it was just like, you know, the handbags, it's, we're just not feeling it. That's, we, you know, let's, let's do real estate instead. And that's what we did. Wow, you guys bounce around. So, so, o- so Ophelia came. That's my daughter. Yes. And then it was... How was her sickness? How was your well, the, wife? The uh, hyperemesis is just while you're pregnant. I right. mean, the day she was born, boom, gone. Gone. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I didn't That's realize big, it was yeah. during her pregnancy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
It's caused by the pregnancy. It's morning sickness. Oh, it's I thought you were, you were extreme, equating extreme it to morning, morning, like to give an idea of what it was like. Oh, I yeah, apologize. No. I didn't understand. Yeah, no worries. Um, so now she's physically better. She feels great. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, this Ophelia is three and a half now. She's, yeah. Wow. And, and how long, bef- like, so she felt better before you left Boise. Like she had, she had Ophelia in Boise. Yeah. So how long after Ophelia was born were you still in Boise before you went to Santa Barbara? Uh, we moved to Santa Barbara a year ago. So we were in Boise for three years. Okay, so her her I can't take Boise for another five minutes was legit. It had been years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She she really she really she gave it a shot. Gave it a shot. Good totally. for her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then that makes way more sense to me. Totally. Um, I was just if you on the timeline. Yeah, totally. Um, so you put the ba- handbags on hold. You went to Boise. You came back. You just could, here's you, where the meat of it is. Please. So I was quote unquote giving everything to Lisa is how I felt right, and. And now she's with this guy who's no longer the confident, goal-oriented, you know, alpha guy, man that she married. I'm now this submissive. I'll do anything for you. Yeah, you want to start a handbag business? Don't worry. I'll work three jobs to help us pay rent. And every hour that I'm not at work, I'll help you with your, with your business. Mm-hmm. And so she starts going on some deep level. Right. Like, this, you know, where's, where's like the, the dominant, attractive, confident guy that I married? Uh, you know, I think what I was saying before, I think women want a leader, mm-hmm. not in every aspect of their life, but just in general, women want a leader. Yeah. Uh, a guy who can build something, fix something, handle something, whatever. Make a decision. Yeah, yeah. Choose where you're going to go to dinner at night. You yeah. Know? It's as small as that. It's yeah, just a, literally totally. about making a decision, whether it's a huge decision or a small decision. They want the assertiveness. Yeah. They want that. that For the most beautifully part. Put. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah, exactly. Um, for the most exceptions. Part. Yeah, totally. Yes. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, do we find that a quality unattractive in women, though? Like, I like women who know what they want. Yeah. Make decisions. Yeah, and totally. Do their own thing. And do, being That's an why I think there's the balance because yeah. you can both make a decision. You know, but then, but here's here's let's let's try on this thought experiment. So. A man who is the opposite of all these qualities we're talking about. Right. Is just generally not attractive. Right. To women. But women could be either way. A woman who's a woman who's really submissive and just happy to go along with what you want is not fundamentally unattractive to men. No, and not not in yeah. a healthy way. Sure. Yeah, and uh, you know, and yeah, and but and the opposite is true too. A woman who's confident and knows what she wants is not fundamentally unattractive either. No. Yeah. Okay. So, but let's get back to the meat here. So, so when I start being this submissive, unattractive guy. She starts kind of prodding the bear, like, like let's, you know, let's. I want to know on a subconscious level. She goes, I want, I want to find that guy again. So she starts being a little more critical, a little more condescending, kind of. That's the trying approach. Trying to, trying to get me. Yeah, I'm not saying she's doing it consciously, but which when, is funny. That's what the brain chooses to do in that situation. Yeah, well, she's trying to, she's trying to poke through the weak guy to find the strong guy. Is that what it is? Totally. And here's a perfect example. So further down in the relationship, she started saying, you know, I, I want a divorce. And uh, like around the time that, Le- that Ophelia was born and after she started, you know, really talking about that. And and anytime she'd say it, it would bring out the confident, dominant guy in me. And I would go, oh, baby, no. don't worry. We're going to work this out. We're going to have conversations about it. We're going to make a plan. It's all going to be OK. I'm committed to you. It's going to work out. And that's what she wanted. And so then for like two weeks, everything would be good. And then, you know, it was the same old, same old. And then she'd go, oh, you know, I want a divorce. And it was that cycle literally for years. For years? Yeah, for years. 
And so, so the way this plays out is she starts being condescending and, and critical and criticizing and nagging. And, and I start going, what the heck? I'm giving her everything. And all she does is criticize me. And so I start feeling resentful and I start withholding affection. Naturally, I'm not trying Naturally. to. It just happens. It's hard to fake affection. And then, totally. And then she goes, oh my gosh, I'm now with this guy who isn't the dominant, attractive leader he used to be. He's now this submissive, kind of wishy-washy, like doesn't know what he wants in life guy who just does anything I say, which I guess that's kind of nice, but it's not attractive. No. And he doesn't even love me anymore because he never shows me any affection. And so then she starts withholding affection, and boom, that's the cycle. Yeah. And it just, it just spiraled and spiraled and spiraled. Pulling out of that hole must be incredibly difficult. Yeah. So finally, I realized this. Uh, through doing Landmark, which I want to talk to you guys about. Yeah, I want to hear. I want to hear your take on that. Yeah. Um, so, so I realized this, and I just came clean to her, and I said, "Look, this is this is what's been happening for me. I've been just totally inauthentic about right from the beginning. I w- I was using you to avoid taking responsibility for my life, and so I'm not saying that we can't ever be together, but I need to get my shit together In- internally. I need to, you know." be my own man. So divorce to save the relationship. Well, what I said to her at this point, at this point, we, it's not like we weren't trying to make things better the whole time, but without the right tools, it's what it, what are you really doing? Yeah. You know, um, or the lack of understanding of what's really going on. Yeah. That, that's probably more of that. Yeah. Um, but I think she started saying to me about maybe six or eight months ago, she started saying, you know, you keep saying we're, we're going to work things out. I think we've put enough time into trying to work things out. I just, I think it's too late. I don't think we can get back to anything that we had in the beginning. And, uh, and I started to feel that too. I was like, yeah, you know, I, I don't, I really like, we were both losing the desire to even keep trying. Right. And so when we finally had the conversation where she said, you know, that's it, I'm leaving you. And I said, for the very first time in years, I mean, she'd said it to me dozens of times. I finally said, okay, I, I got that. And I, you know, I'm, I'm happy to not be with you too. So I'm then, out of the desire for an excuse or, or a remedy to that. Say I that too, again? You're like, I'm out of the desire to say no to that. I yeah. agree with you now. Yeah, totally. And then what I said was, but I want to create a really powerful, workable co-parenting relationship. That's really positive and, and better than what we ever had together married. So it's, I, I don't even see it immediately. You said that you said that right in that same in that same in conversation. Wow. Yeah. And then we proceeded to have this incredible two hour conversation where we were connecting in a way that we hadn't in years. And it was really great. And then the sex was amazing and we didn't break up. Unfortunately, it was on the phone. So. <laughs> <laughs> but she did say at the end of the conversation, she said, you know, she was like, oh, I'm so inspired by this conversation. It's been really, really nice to get to talk to you like this, like we haven't in years. And, you know, if you want to try to work things out, I'm open to that. And you were like, no. Well, actually, what I said was, uh, I said I had already just signed up to do the landmark forum, which mm-hmm. uh, we had already done it years ago before we met. You had both done landmark. Yeah, we had both gone through the before. whole curriculum exactly. Okay. And so I, my mom actually was the one who originally told me about it, mm-hmm. and she was like, you know, I know what you're dealing with right now. You maybe you should re- go review the forum. And I was like, my God, that's that's what I need to do. So I signed up for it. Actually, before we had this conversation, I just told you about. Right. Um, and so when Lisa said that, you know, hey, we could work it out, I said, you know, I'm going to do Landmark next weekend. I'm going to wait to answer that question until after. And then that's when I got 
all the, that's when I doing landmark was when I realized that the whole time I had been with Lisa for this inauthentic reason to avoid being the leader of my own life, mm-hmm. let alone the leader in our relationship, which is a lot of work and terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. So you got divorced. Did no, you? I mean, we've, we've agreed to separate. You're We're in separated. the middle of it now. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So this was how long ago? When you did the landmark form, like did, this conversation, I did the form about a month ago. Okay, and our conversation was about a week before that. Got so it. for the listeners uh, and for me, yeah, um, I want to hear what Coop thinks landmark is. No idea. You don't have any any idea. Uh, the movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. I guess we'll skip the. Um, uh, I wanted to hear what Coop's okay. idea was before yeah. we heard someone who's had gone through it twice. Yeah. Tell us what landmark is. It's a personal growth organization. You need to do more than that. Okay. <laughs> what the fuck is that supposed to mean? It's just uh, they, they do some courses, and the courses are to help people live lives more powerfully that they love. But what does that entail? What kind of a course it's, do you need to do? What do you have to do? Yeah, it's a course that uh, where you they share ideas with you uh, and the, just ideas about how the world is that you can take on. And if they work for you, which they typically do, then they lead to you uh, being more effective in your life. Can you give me an example? Yeah. Um, and I'll say one more thing, too. Uh, they, it's not just ideas. It's ideas in a... It's, the course is three days, the forum. They, they offer a couple other courses, but the general format of most of their courses is... Um, it's, or at least the forum. It's three... It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Tuesday evening. Um, and you get a day off? Yeah. The Tuesday evening is just three hours to kind of complete the whole thing. Um, so you have to commit five days to this. Yeah, well, you got to commit. You have to take time off of work to do landmark. Certainly, form. certainly Friday, Tuesday evening is from seven to ten p.m. So oh, it's, okay, got it. Yeah, got it. and then Monday you can go to work, but uh, and Saturday, Sunday, obviously, hopefully not working. But Friday right. you'd have to take off work. Right. And it, but and it's long hours too. It's nine a.m. to ten p.m. Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Makes sense. So so the uh, they. The course is designed to not just be information. They share these really, you know, incredible ideas about how the world is and personal growth ideas and, you know, similar ideas to what you would read in like a Tony Robbins course or uh, The Power of Now, things like that. What is that example we're getting at? Uh, So, yeah, I'll give you that in one sec. But the other really important piece of it is that it's an experiential course. So there's, there's thought experiments, there's exercises, you, you write letters to people, you, you call people in your life and get complete with things, you know, mm-hmm. in your life. Uh, and then there's a lot of sharing. So people, you know, there's 80 to 120 people doing the course together. So people are going up and they're sharing with, you know, what breakthroughs they're going through and what they're, you know, what they're getting from it. And then there's the forum leader will coach them through stuff that mm-hmm. they're, that they're stuck on. It's really incredibly powerful. It's kind of like, you know, when people do like a 10 day silence retreat and they come out and they, they they're just totally transformed and they've gotten so much out of it. It's, it's very similar to that. Okay. Uh, in terms of what the purpose is of it and what people tend to get out of it. All right. Yeah. Very interesting because uh, I don't know if you know me well enough to know, but I am, I am anti-group in every way, shape, or form. You know what I mean? Just don't want to be part of your group no matter what it is. Yeah. It's just my personal style. I'm not yeah. saying that's right, but I, I, I struggle to be – to affiliate. Yeah. I struggle to identify with something that exists – like I'm not even I don't there's no I'm not a part of a political party. I just gave a rant um on our last episode, I think maybe maybe we didn't. 
um, <laughs> about my inability to care about what team wins. Like, they take a side. I can't take a side. Like, it just yeah. I just see them as individuals. Like, um, so I've always been intrigued. I, I remember someone once offered to pay for me to go to Landmark, and I was like, no thanks. Oh, you should have taken how much does it? How oh. much does it cost? A few hundred bucks, at least six, seven hundred bucks. Yeah, it's six ninety five in L A. There's, it's I all over the world. It's different, not terrible. I thought it was gonna be a little bit more. No, it's not terrible at all. And yeah. what people get out of it's incredible. I mean, like, people get more out of Landmark than they do from ten years of therapy, and they spend thousands. Potentially, on that. yeah. Potentially, yeah, that's I mean, crazy. yeah. It's definitely. Um, I would love to see mine do it. I'd be so curious. Yeah, man, I, I, I don't know what, what bet would I would have to lose to say yes to that. Let me, I don't let me give you, let me give you, uh, please one of the one of the ideas. Okay, so cool. So the one that was most impactful for me when I first did it, when I was twenty one, was they they create this distinction between they call all the all their things distinctions. Mm-hmm. Um, they create this distinction between uh, what happened and story. Your interpretation of what happened. Mm. So someone says, "Ah, oh, you know, my friend stabbed me in the back." Like someone will go up on stage and they'll say, "You know, I, I hear you saying all these ideas, and that's great, but you don't understand. My best friend stabbed me in the back." And the forum leader goes, "Well, they literally stabbed you in the back?" And he goes, "No, no, no. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they 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 uh, cheated on my. You know, she slept with my girlfriend." And she goes, "The forum leader goes, oh, so your best friend slept with your girlfriend?" And he goes, "Yeah." Yeah, he stabbed me in the back. And she goes, and she goes, okay, well, you get that stabbed me in the back is your story about what happened. What really happened is your best friend had sex with your girlfriend. Right. And so that's that's kind of a uh, maybe not the best example because that sucks when that if that I happens. Like, I like, yeah, <laughs> no, 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 I'm still pissed. Yeah, exactly. no, I like I like exactly. that example. Here's what I got from that. And you told yeah, me if I it, got the right thing. Yeah, please. Um, he is taking a very uh, nuanced activity that involves multiple people different positions, regret, happiness, sadness, fear, um, and turning it into a predetermined, one-sided um, uh, betrayal that has only one outcome, and you can't solve that problem by looking at it at this archaic, one-dimensional way, like a betrayal. There's so much more going on. Why, why, why say to the world, oh, I got stabbed in the back, and then be done with it and harbor it forever? You don't get anywhere. Yeah, what happens is, we start to live our lives like our stories are what's real. And sometimes our stories work for us and they end up making us feel happy. But oftentimes our stories inhibit us. Like to think that your best friend stabbed you in the back and you start making that mean that you're not lovable and that, you know, you don't have community and that you'll never make friends and it just starts to control your life. And so instead you can just go, Hey man, uh, you can go to your best friend, and and this is like a very typical scenario. Someone will hear that from the forum leader, and then they'll call up their best friend and go, "Hey, I've been making up that you're a terrible friend, and that you don't love me, and that we can't be friends anymore because you had sex with my girlfriend, and, the, and you know broke that trust." And uh, and look, if you don't want to be friends with your friend anymore, that's fine. Don't be friends with your friend anymore, yeah. but don't let that control your whole life. Yeah, I know. That's a good. That's a good. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I mean it's 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 like something simple, but you don't think about it in that aspect because everybody's basing everything off their point of view. Yeah, and especially when someone gets hurt, it's really hard to see like the positive or see like this will be okay one day, especially in the moment. Especially, yeah. I mean, you probably know in just fights with your significant other or just fighting with them in that moment. You know, there's really nothing else that's like 
there's no like light at the end of the tunnel. It feels like you what, just yeah. You what just, things have you not gotten over that, that you went through that were terrible at the time? Like gotten over every heartache, every heartbreak, every betrayal. Like I'm also a sucker for taking responsibility. If someone betrays me, quote unquote, yeah. I don't care how long it is, three years, uh, ten years. If you apologize to me later and go, I was I was wrong. I instantly don't care about the thing anymore. Yeah. I am not emotionally capable of holding a grudge if you take responsibility for it, if it was your fault. Yeah. Um, so these, like most of our, not all of them, but most of our problems are, they're, they're fixable. Yeah. All you have to do is be like, address them. You're doing that. You did it with Landmark. You did it with your life. You started this relationship as a kid. You're just yeah. a kid, man. Yeah. By my definition, to all, to all, sorry, you're both, both 29? How old are you, Coop? I'll be 29 this Thursday. Baby. And you hit 29 last Thursday. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh, you th- shit. Yeah. No, my- you're 31. Well, how old are you now? I'm 29. Okay. My so- birthday's in January. Hey, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Um, I, that just, I mean, obviously 29 is not a kid, but it, it is too. Like, Also, my birthday is this week. You can tell him happy birthday in January. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to wait until. I'm not trying to go at you right now, but <laughs> like, you could say Merry Christmas to him before his birthday. I was going to wait until the following <laughs> August to wish you happy birthday. Um, I like to go. Yeah, he was okay. saying happy 32nd birthday to you. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. For yeah, man. Shit, How much 29. more time do we have? About uh, 10 minutes. Yeah, 10 minutes. Okay, because the, thing, the yeah. thing that I really wanted to share with you guys. As you know, I'm still listening, but I just have something to do because a word was. I'll tell about it later. Yeah, no worries. So, when you first invited me onto the show, yeah. it was because I had started to tell you about something really cool that happened. Uh, and okay. so, let's, I'll, can, let's do it. Yeah. Okay, so Donald Trump. I love where you're going was with elected, this. And I. Wrote in Bernie Sanders. Nice. Yeah, I was in Idaho, so my vote completely didn't count because Idaho went 85% to Trump. So I was just like, I don't even care. There's like, I can vote for whoever I want. It's not going to do like the third party effect where it affects anything. I voted Jill Stein in California. It didn't affect anything. It was my protest vote. Yeah, exactly. Green Party. So uh, yeah, I caucused for Bernie Sanders. I was super into it. And uh, so I, I, Trump was elected. I had just gone back to school and I was uh, finishing my degree and I was doing economics. And so I was like really thinking about statistics and about the economy and uh, all that stuff. And so Trump is elected and I was shocked (laughs) and horrified. And I was walking around campus disillusioned and just like it was, you know, like probably most of us. It forced you to redefine what president really means if that dude uh, can hold that seat. It was you're really... Like, it makes you... Because you're like, this is not real. How yeah. can this be real? So there's something's wrong with the system, but go on. Okay, so yeah, you guys have no idea where this is going. This I can't great. wait. So, <laughs> so I kept thinking to myself, how can so many people in this country be so stupid mm-hmm. and evil and racist? Yep. To, ha- to uh, have elected this monster. I mean, he's the next Hitler, right? Like, this is unbelievable. These are all valid thoughts. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, um, and so, but I was taking a statistics class at the time, and I was like, you know, 48 million people out of a country of 330, 30. that just seems like maybe they can't be all as as stupid and evil and racist as as the, it seems like they would have to be in my head for this to make sense. So that was the first like inkling of like, hmm, you know, maybe maybe I'm a little bit skewed in my perception of of my model of the world, right? And so and then 
I uh, heard this, my favorite quote. It's This quote is worth listening to the whole podcast. I love it. Charlie Munger, he's Warren Buffett's lifetime business partner. Charlie Munger. Charlie Munger, yeah. Berkshire Hathaway, co-founder, you know, Warren Buffett's best friend and business partner. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant guy. Brilliant guy. And so his quote is, I don't allow myself to have an opinion on something until I can state the position of my opponent better than he can. Jesus Christ. So smart. He spends a lot of time reading. <laughs> that guy reads a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant though? Yeah, like, of course. If it is you brilliant. Can't, if you can't, if you're, if you have an opinion on something and the person who disagrees with you, you, you can't, you don't understand his argument. You can't even, you, you don't even have You don't a grasp. have the tools. Yeah. You don't even have a grasp of the, of the, of the issue enough to understand your opponent's argument. Like what? Why are you so stuck on your position? Right. So I, that was really impactful for me. And what I realized when I read that is I was like, oh, my God, I don't have a single argument for why anyone would want to vote for Trump. I don't have a single argument. So you had to dig deep. I was like, I've got bad arguments, right? Like, because I'm evil and racist and stupid. Right. My hair is fake. <laughs> yeah. the, my skin is orange. I'm fat. I drink Diet Coke. Like, the yeah, list like, goes on and on and on. So here's, when I, when I first thought that, I was like, okay, what's, like, the best argument for Trump? And the one I could think of was, well, if I hate immigrants and I don't want them coming to this country, then Trump would be, uh, you know, the person He's not afraid for. to say it yeah. into the microphone. But that's not a good argument because, it, res- because it, it starts with me assuming hate and ignorance and, and evilness, right? S- some will fall into that category. Some. Yeah, yeah, totally. Not 48 million. Maybe not. Probably not. That's what it seemed like to me anyways. Right. So, uh, so then I, I had another realization, which is the most interesting of all of these, which was of the 48 million people who voted for Trump, there must be, statistically speaking, there must be at least one who is a good person, is intelligent, is kind-hearted, and has good reasons for why they voted for Trump. It just can't be that I out agree. of 48 million people, there's there, not one person well, who's a reasonable fucking human. it was like 31 million votes. But you're, are you dicing that that 48 million is what? You know, the reason why I have that number in my head is uh-huh. because I just, for some reason, recall reading somewhere that there were 48 million votes for Trump. But it's totally made up. It, I don't know how 30, many It's er, low 30, like 31, and then Hillary had like 33 or something like that. Or okay. 33 and 36. Yeah. It was in the 30s. Um, you know what, though? To be fair, uh, even if it's the, if the actual number of votes is 31, uh, it's very likely that the people who voted roughly, at least to a reasonably accurate degree, reflect the opinions of the rest of the country. It would be unreasonable to think that the, uh, all the hundreds of millions of people who didn't vote somehow all side with one person. That's just not how statistics work. Most likely, they're, it's reasonably, rep- reasonably representative right. when you have numbers that big. Right. Um, sure. And so, unless there's like some other factor like... But, but basically, it's reasonably representative. The way I understand statistics, past them just being helpful to keeping a you know, yeah. uh, number of things in order so you can see what the results are, it's also famous for being used to prove whatever you want. Yeah, totally. I mean, you can, you can use... You find the right... You can well, use logical statistically fallacies. Statistically speaking, <laughs> please. You can use logical fallacies combined with statistics to make it seem like you're proving something that's right. Not real. You can take it yeah. to a poll that you know will be skewed the numbers that you want, or however. Yep. And again, these are yeah. very uh, well-funded think tanks it, all over Washington that I'm referring perfect, to. Perfect segue into yeah. how this story ends. So I decided I went okay. 
first of all, there's got to be a good argument for Trump out there because of that one person who voted for Trump, that one mystic. That happens to be a really good person. Exactly. And so I was like, you know, maybe a better explanation for why we had all these people vote for Trump is that they've all been brainwashed by the media that they listen to. And that it's, uh, if they knew what I knew, they wouldn't have voted for Trump. If they listened to the New York Times and NPR and the, all the news sources that I but listened to. But that's not true. That <laughs> it's possible that if they listened to those people that they, would, that they would not be brainwashed and they wouldn't have voted for Trump. And so I said, you know, okay, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to, I, I was renovating houses for the last several years, so I spent a lot of time working with my hands and listening to podcasts. Nice. And so I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find some voices that seem reasonably ethical and rational and, and thoughtful people that are not totally against Trump at the very least, or maybe even support Trump. And I'm also going to see, uh, I'm also going to just generally listen to the type of media that Trump supporters consume to just see uh, how brainwashing and propagandistic and, you know, and untruthful and fake news it actually is. And so it took me months, actually, to find some sources that didn't seem completely just bananas. Right. Um, but once I started finding these voices that, that met my criteria of being generally like moral and intelligent. And focus uh, on factual stuff and not opinion so much. Yep, yep. It completely shattered my world. It, it flipped my world upside down. And the biggest thing I got from it is I was absolutely blown away by how dishonest and misleading the mainstream media is. Yep. I could not believe it. Here's the crazy part. You already knew that, but you didn't know it. You yeah. didn't understand to the point yeah. that your research got you to. That's, I'm a victim of that too, man. I understand things intellectually, but I don't know it in my bones. Mm -hmm. But only research can get you there. If you don't have the facts laid out, that's why I made that little joke about it doesn't matter if you, they had the facts. They wouldn't change their minds. It takes more than a, a single fact coming in to, to change propaganda. Right. Because their belief is way more precious to them than a fact that may or may not even be true because it doesn't even support their position. That is based in emotion. Yeah. And it's it's a dangerous fuck. That's why propaganda is what it is. So, We're so all manipulatable. I started listening to, I kept I kept listening to NPR and, and Slate and Wall Street Journal and New York Times and all the mainstream sources. Uh, I would listen to, you know, all, all those sources. And I started including uh, the National Review, which is kind of the mainstream Republican magazine. They have a podcast. Right. Um, and I also started listening to uh, the Ben Shapiro show. <laughs> that must have been fun. Yeah. At first, I was like, this guy's an idiot. You know, he's I, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And actually, I heard a few episodes of his and then wrote him off. Right. But then a few months later, I came back and heard another episode of his. And I was like, OK, this is actually, uh, you know, he's saying some interesting things. The crazy thing is he would say something and I'd be like, oh, that just can't be true. Right. But then I'd be like, well, I'll look into it. So I just Google it. And then he'd be like, oh, my God, that's actually true. And so and that started happening with everything. And Ben Shapiro is more more right wing. Um, what do you mean? As opposed to what? As opposed to um, I don't and I don't know much about Ben Shapiro. I just know that when I hear his voice, I'm instantly turned off. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, I, that's that's a big thing for me. What um, do, you, do you mean more right wing, like more far right? 
I don't know to how far, but I don't think of Ben Shapiro as a progressive. Uh, Definitely a, not. Yeah. So yeah. good. So my my yeah, assumption no, of the position he's, is is he's somewhat a, he's a correct. conservative right. Orthodox Jew. Right. And he he would call himself a, a libertarian conservative. He's definitely like a small government conservative, not like these neo conservatives that are like like Trump. Trump is like doesn't care if the government's really big. He cares what he says into a microphone. Yeah. He's honestly, doing his best I think not it's probably to. unfair to even give Trump an ideological foundation. I think yeah. he's just he's just Trump. But but you know there it's are insanity. There are like the mainstream Mitt Romney type of uh, Republicans who would be uh, you'd call them conservatives, but but they're not like Bush is the iconic big government conservative. Um, so Ben Shapiro is is more libertarian, more I don't want the government. You know, like Ben Shapiro, his personal views on homosexuality is that it's a sin. Um, but he actually says, but it's not the government's responsibility to, d- to determine what, who is allowed to marry who. So he's smarted his way into a new demographic of political positioning where he gets to be smart and right, but doesn't have to do the things that a real progressive would have to do, like give money to people who need it, stop taking um, lobbyist cash, and stop supporting um, oil and guns and all the things. He can, he can still do all that because he's, he's a conservative, but he doesn't have to be as stupid as a normal conservative has to like admit to things that aren't true, like, like God bless when they don't fucking believe it at all. Yeah, well, I mean, he believes in God. So he says. He's an Orthodox he pl- Jew. Yeah. Uh, trust me, man. There are plenty- He's also not a politician. He's, he's a political commentator. Look how well he's done making you think he's not a politician. <laughs> he's absolutely a politician, whether well, he— I mean, he's it, not running for office yet. Of course not. So. But he has huge sway uh, in political situations. Yeah, totally. He's a political commentator. And he's incredibly smart. Like, yeah. that's not a question. He doesn't yeah. say things that are, like, embarrassingly stupid like Trump does. Yeah. Trump has just a bull head. And, a, and a, a weird feeling that he's the most important person in the world, so whatever he does is okay. Right. It's, it's, a, it's, what is the word? Narcissism and, and, uh, and not psychopath, but a sociopath. Right. Doesn't he have those tendencies? Like, how else can you explain it? Such a world of denial. Do me a favor. We're running out of time. Okay. Um, did you get your final point on this one in, or you want to punchline it with something I'm going to punchline okay, it. Okay, great. So, uh... So I got to this place where I realized that the mainstream media was totally dishonest. And at that point, I was like, okay, so the, like literally, like I would listen to Ben Shapiro's show and he would cover whatever scandal is currently in the media and he would include all these different facts about it. And you can look them up and they were all true. And then the New York Times would cover it and they would leave out every single piece that didn't fit their like left wing narrative. And then, and then they would even maybe misrepresent things to where they did the research. They must know what really happened, but they say it in a way that's just blatantly misleading. And you, it's like this for every single political scandal dating right back to, I mean, probably even before I started looking into it, but I started looking into it after the election. And it, literally every scandal from child separation to the Catholic school kid uh, at, the, at the March for Life where the, with the native guy. Uh, do you remember that one? I don't. And it's not even, it doesn't even matter. Just any political scandal. Right. They're not covered honestly. And so, so what I got to was, oh, okay. So we're just being lied to on all sides. And that was kind of before I found Ben Shapiro and some other people. Mm -hmm. Um, But then the more I started listening to both sides and and like basically do my own fact checking, the more I realized that actually the people on the left are more dishonest. And uh, so it was funny a yeah, moment yeah, ago yeah. you said, yeah, if, if you're a conservative, you still have to lie about all these things. 
I, the more that I've that I've consumed media from both sides, the more I've realized that actually the conservatives tend to be yeah. I did more, not mean to imply exclusivity. More honest about I mean, but they yeah. tend to be more honest about things. Um, I it's, don't trust either side. Yeah. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. Never have it's been you either. Listen to Ben Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> I will, um, but I listen. Um, I mean, I, I obviously I'm left leaning. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's not something I'm like ignorant to. Yeah. I just don't, I don't believe anything I hear. Like I even, I mean, people, my friends think I'm crazy, but I still don't know for sure. I'm not saying we didn't land on the moon. I, I hope we did. That's great. But yeah. I'm not, I don't feel in my bones that I know either way. I really don't. Yeah. And I haven't done so much research that I've fallen on one side or the other. Right. But I genuinely, I just don't know for sure. Cause I didn't see, I don't, haven't seen the evidence. Like, right. you know, and I just don't know. I just don't know. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't. I don't like groups. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't believe either of those sides. Um, yeah. This is a nice insight to giving a voice, each individual voice, a chance to hear the facts rather than worrying about what category they're in. Right. Um, and I can't wait for you to come back and, cool. and pick up where we Me left too. off. Yeah. yeah I would I love to, fun. I'd love to go into some of the specific like scandals yes. and where we can go like, okay, this is what you guys know about it. Yeah. Right. Cause, Cause you listen to normal media. Well, here's all the things that you never heard about it and it'll change your mind on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's I would love that. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Nice work, dude. Yeah. Chama in the fucking house. Yeah. I love it. That was awesome. What a great cool. second new location. Um, you you nailed it, man. It was really great to have you cool. here. We'll talk soon, Thanks, and man. and uh, we'll get you back. Awesome. Good I'm stoked. Right. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. See you next week. <laughs>